Texas some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, everybody. It's Chris Spangle. Thank you so much for listening to The Chris Spangle Show. I did an interview yesterday. I was asked on to a podcast called Podcast on the Plaza, which is a podcast about Carmel, Indiana, which is our highfalutin part of Indianapolis. It's um, on the north side, one of the most affluent communities in America, um, formerly largely Republican, but it has become more and more liberal and libertarian over the past uh, decade, as many of these suburban areas have uh, shifted. And in full disclosure, Podcast on the Plaza is a client of mine I on my podcast consulting side. And uh, they invited me on to talk about libertarianism and why podcasting can change the world and how it can help build communities. And I basically explained that you, you need libertarianism more than you need podcasting, but they go hand in hand. Uh, so it was a great conversation. I think you'll hear in the co-hosts a lot of them agreeing with much of what I said, and um, I personally think it's a great example of how you go into a, a conversation and tailor the message to the people that you're talking to um, without trying to shove a hot poker in their eye. Um, and so I wanted you to hear it, and and the crux of it basically is building community, and that is the goal of the Chris Spangle Show, the We Are Libertarians podcast network, and everything that I do. It's about decentralizing media to empower people and liberate communities. That's my that's my motto. I really sat down and thought about it hard. So I, I was like, I need to, you know, Franklin Covey would be proud of my mission statement. So check out this podcast. Uh, I, I give them the basic pitch for libertarianism, tell them how they can uh, work in, within their community, and... I wouldn't say it was tense, but they're like, what's the libertarian critique of Carmel? And what you have to understand is that Carmel, Indiana has taken out many, many bond issues to build. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a great town. I mean, people love living in Carmel. I enjoy going to Carmel. There's a ton of amenities, so people really do enjoy it. Uh, but the Libertarian Party of Hamilton County has many objections to it. So, uh, I, I, you know. I, I tried not to be rude, but <laughs> honest at the same time. So check out this conversation. It was a great one. And check out Podcast on the Plaza on their Facebook page for now. Soon it will be in podcast feeds and everywhere else. So thank you for listening, and we will see you again next week. Good morning, and welcome to Podcast on the Plaza, episode 22. I am Matt Allen. I'll be one of your co-hosts. We are coming to you live on location in Carmel, Indiana, Midtown Plaza, uh, in the heart of the Arts and Design District at Java House. Uh, We are brought to you by Java House Coffee, Synergize, Good Day Carmel, Roundabout Fitness, and 5x5 Communications. And now, here to kick off the introductions. That scared me. At the table is a woman who needs no introduction, but I'll do it anyway. Samantha Lamar, the executive producer of Podcast on the Plaza. Good morning. She has morning, a title? Good morning. Yeah. When did that she start? You're, you're getting one later. Uh, Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> what title would you like to have, Jeff? Uh, Well, this is not about me. I wanted to hear more about your title, executive producer. That's impressive. She got EP, man. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. 
But I she's said. not she's not Grandmaster Worrell. So uh, <laughs> oh, is that his title? I thought he was a, to grow. Is he not a paladin? No. No. So I, I, I wanted that name because I if I tell the kids, look, I'm an executive producer. Then they would yeah. do what I say. Yeah. <laughs> I will cut your funding so fast. <laughs> yeah. So, so who who we got today? Do we introduce everybody? Well, we're we're here to you're the the introduce you. You're the <laughs> you tell us. Well, okay. Produce it. Do you let's, want? Do you want start, to go around? Yeah, we got to go around the table. Okay. We'll start with um, Fox over there. Oh yeah, the Fox. Good morning. Uh, my name is Evan Meager. I represent Dotted Line Divas. And I'm uh, one of your co-hosts. Hi, I'm Caitlin McKay. I am director of marketing for Lucian, a Sandler training company, and I am guest co-hosting today. Ooh. I'm Jeff Worrell. I'm with Good Day Carmel, and I bring you the weekend big list. And then our oh wait. Well, I'm Matt Allen with oh, Iconic sorry. Insurance. That's okay. I was like, I don't get to go before Matt Allen. You don't. <laughs> so, I'm really impressed with Destination Reject. And then we have we have somebody in the audience yes. who's a member of Synergize. Uh -huh. Yes, I'm Gabe Green, owner of the local Allstate insurance agency here in Carmel, and member of Synergize, and surprised to be here. <laughs> <laughs> nice to be here. We're grateful to have but you. Welcome, here. welcome. Thank you. Well, that's the thing about Synergize. It, once you're in it, that you just don't know what is going to happen in your life. Especially it's just if been you're an adventure. House. Well, that, that's the point. I make the point to come by and my house two or three times a day because you will see one to 20 people that you know and most of them will center that. Mm -hmm. So it just makes it, it's like a reunion. And they're all awesome. Well, right, it's a reunion you want to be at. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's not like the family you want to dodge and don't show up That's for. right. This is a good thing. Yep, absolutely. Okay, and uh, we have a very special guest today, and I'm thrilled to have you on because, well, I wouldn't be doing this without your help. You know, you helped <laughs> us get started. Uh, Chris Spangle from Spangle Consulting, uh, owner. Yeah, well, Leaders and Legends Consulting and host of the Chris Spangle Show. So you have a lot of experience with podcasts. Yep. I've been podcasting since 2007 when I started wow. at WXNT, and we started podcasting Abdul in the morning when I was his producer. Okay, because we have so much to learn we really do. from Chris. I'm So I get really excited about the fact that you work with Bob and Tom. Mm -hmm. And not everybody knows who Bob and Tom are, which surprises me. But what? It, but it doesn't. I mean, it, it's an age thing, right? It's changing. Like it, the, the Bob and Tom show, for those who, if you're the one person that doesn't know, it's a nationally syndicated comedy show out of Indianapolis. And it's heard across 106, 110 affiliates. And the cool thing about the show, they're in the Radio Hall of Fame. Um, and it's one of the very few radio shows that have two generations, multiple generations. You know, I grew up listening with my dad. Um, and I got into radio wanting to meet them, <laughs> let alone getting to work for them. And what do you do with them? I do all the digital stuff, uh, along with Jeff Oske, a local comedian. We do all the... All the internet stuff, right. all the podcasting, the video stuff. We have a TV show weeknights at eleven thirty on Channel Twenty Three. Really? Um, yeah, we we started one of the first things that we started working on was revamping the video program, and it's now an eight uh, eight camera shoot TV show at night on YouTube and and Facebook and um, 
it's just been a lot of hard work. For the know. record, that's seven more cameras than we have. Right. <laughs> uh, no, Alan does a great job. I'm impressed. The, yeah. You have almost as many cameras. When you're as awesome as Alan, you only need one camera. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, 17 shots. Cameras. Cameras. Yeah. Yeah, we've got, we got one hiding back there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but no, it's... it's, uh, it's I mean, just in the last decade, the show has kind of found a rebirth and has found um, uh, a new footing, and it's been a lot of fun. That's cool. So you grew up listening to Bob and Tom, and that's why you got into radio, and mm-hmm. you didn't know that you would actually be working? Not a clue. Working. No. I started with Abdul Hakeem Shabazz, who was, um, who was a local troublemaker, yeah. uh, who's now on WIBC, <laughs> IndiePolitics.org, but he, um, he was a local radio show host, and I got an internship with him. And Andrew Lee hired me and put me on the board, which was the dumbest thing. I can't imagine ever letting an intern run the board because I was horrible at it. Um, but I got to learn every aspect. I mean, the cool thing about starting at like a small radio station or a small business is that you get to learn. I learned engineering, promotion, sales, you know, producing. I got to run the Saturday shows and teach people how to do a radio show by making it up. I was like, yeah, you should try this because you know, these local business owners would come exactly. in. like. Yeah, like the nice law firm, and, and he would he'd go, what do I do here? I'm like, um, I think you should try. Uh, but I got a great education there. Um, I didn't get a great pay, and I left there to go work for the Libertarian Party of Indiana for the next four years, and got another great education, like starting organizations, helping candidates. Were you a Libertarian before you went to work? Uh, I was a Republican, but I was very Libertarian-leaning. I, I almost got... Um, impeached as college president at IUPUI <laughs> in 2004 because I thought the immigration reform was good and I didn't care about gay marriage. So I, I always was kind of more of a, a libertarian. I just didn't know that term until around 2006 or seven, And then... You found your people? I did, yeah. I started going to meetups and I was like, why aren't you guys functional? <laughs> and, and they said, uh, well, we just don't have paid staff, we don't have an executive director, and I'm like, well, I'm making $17,000 a year, can you match it? <laughs> They're like, we can do better than that, 2000 more a year, I'm like, I'm sold, so. Free market, baby. Yeah, and while there, I started in 2012, the We Are Libertarians podcast network, and um, we've grown 5 million downloads over the course of our history, That's awesome. 13 shows, we've had, we've got 50 people flying in tomorrow for a pool party, and have built like this great community of co-hosts, and um, at, at around the country, just uh, not just co-hosts, but an awesome community of libertarians that are involved in what we do, and we're the longest-running libertarian show. Matt has has listened; that's how he oh, yeah. knew about me. Um, and yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Yeah, that's so, really cool. So, who was the candidate? That, your candidate that ran for uh, governor last year? Don, yeah. Don Rainwater. Don yeah, Rainwater. yeah, right. yeah. So is he? Um, is he kind of one of the drivers, the founders? Is he? Um, um, here, how would you describe it? So, the thing about the Libertarian Party of Indiana is that it has, more than other libertarian parties around the country, a long institutional knowledge. You've got Comrade resident Mark Rutherford, who is a lawyer, who uh, is head of the Indiana Public Defenders Commission, who um, has been involved since the 90s. Sam Goldstein, another Carmel resident, has been involved since the 90s. And people like that have like helped keep that institutional knowledge so it's not like a goldfish phenomenon where every seven years you're restarting a new party. Um, and Hamilton County has kind of grown into one of the strongest affiliates in the last four or five years because of 
Sam and Mark, and now Don Rainwater, who ran for mayor of Westfield um, and ran for governor last year. And the lockdowns and the pandemic and the yeah. resentment towards that, you know, Don had the right message, which was yeah. once you introduce government action, you breed resentment and people start doing the opposite of the desired effect. It's like prohibition, right? Mm-hmm. People say you can't have alcohol, all of a sudden they have bathtub gin. Um, and so I think that's, uh, it, it really resonated with people. Um, Eric Holcomb won because if you look at the shift in Democrats, you know, Woody Myers was offering a, a Whitmer Michigan style lockdown and like 15% of Democrats left him to go to Eric Holcomb. And a lot of Republicans left Eric Holcomb to go to Rainwater. Yeah. And so Rainwater got uh, second place in 32 counties across the state, which was a tremendous uh, victory and a trend that I noticed back in 2008, which was the Libertarian Party is becoming the second party in almost all the counties across the, the state because polarization has moved um, the parties further. Mm-hmm. They've consolidated their power. And so in a Whitley County, there's no Democratic Party, but there's a Libertarian Party. Uh, and so you're going to start to see the Libertarian Party become a power player in, in a you know, stepping stone way. You know, Libertarians used to elect township trustees. Now they're electing mayors yeah. uh, across the country. Um, and so that second party option, you know, Rainwater helped found 50 new county parties. Um, so it was a, a tremendous boon to, to the party um, and to the ideology across the state. I mean, he, he did a great a, job. Who's a well-known libertarian that people Gary would... Johnson. But it's like um, in the, the federal government, like who's well-known? Um, when you say their name. I mean, Amash. Yeah, Justin Amash, former congressman, first ever libertarian congressman out of Michigan. Um, last year, uh, he retired because he saw the writing on the wall that the Trump phenomenon has really taken over the Republican Party in a big way. And it drove a lot of centrist or I, I consider myself more of a centrist in a lot of ways. I, I see the Republicans and Democrats as a, a radical alternative. What they offer are solutions that are detrimental to our health, to our you know, our economic system. I mean, when you look at the inflation, that's directly caused by Trump wanting bigger stimulus plans, passing those stimulus plans, and then Joe Biden coming in and throwing gasoline on that fire. Um, So, you know, when you're talking about well-known libertarians, libertarianism is an ideology, not necessarily a movement. There is a libertarian movement, but when you're talking about what a libertarian believes, it's it's um, everything from Rand Paul and his non-interventionist tendencies, not policing the world. Um, you know, uh, Thomas Massey wanting less intervention in the in economics, and there even you, you can make the argument that some of it, somebody like AOC and some of her criminal justice reform jives with libertarian tendencies as well. So, when you look at it as a as an ideology, it both parties kind of pull from that, that libertarian. The basic foundation is that government is inherently violence. Every law that is passed is forcing you to do something with the penalty of jail or financial ruin. And so the more we're asking the government to do, the more tension we have in society, the more division we have in society. And libertarians want to build a world of, you know, peaceful, voluntary transactions and harmonious interactions, like, like what you guys have built with Synergize and, and 
people work together, they collaborate for their interests, and everybody has a different interest, and nobody should walk in with a gun and say, you're doing what I want now or else. And that is really the foundational principle of government. So anybody in any party that wants to reduce force and increase voluntary cooperation is leading in a libertarian direction. Can, can you apply that to the local level? I mean, this is podcast on the plaza. How would... <laughs> how would um, so this is fascinating. Yeah, I'm yeah and hopefully, I, hopefully it's okay yeah. to talk about this. We can talk about anything you want. But um, how, if you were mayor mm-hmm. of Carmel, Indiana, how would a libertarian <laughs> perspective be, yeah, oh, be wow. the same, different, yeah, or better? as a friend of the than, show. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. We, uh, yeah. we can speak freely here. So. Yes. Yeah. But how would yeah? I mean, Carmel for the Libertarian Party is kind of the the Borg. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're talking about, um, it, it, it is a tough thing to look at Carmel because you you have built a great city, you have built several great districts. A lot of that was built on tiffs and increased taxes and bond issuances, and I think. The danger of subject. <laughs> I think the danger of being a lawmaker here in Carmel is you've got to keep that cycle of, of growth going. Yeah, she's got all kinds of. We're looking at visual This is yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you've got to you've got to keep the growth going because if the growth stops, then the tax base stops, and then all of a sudden you're in a spiral where you've got to pay a lot of debt. Um, so that's the first thing that I would pay attention to is how do we protect the future of of Carmel, um, you know, it's a libertarian assessment of Carmel would probably be the opposite of what a, what a lot has happened. But I think you you also have a lot of great growth here, um, and people want to move here; they want to live here. Uh, so, but the foundation of what has made Carmel successful is exactly what I talked about. It's that cooperation. There are people that are going to be angry over the, you know, the televised. Uh, the million dollar televised uh, water thing, what is it called? The water tower. The water yeah, tower, yeah. 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 Um, and I think they have every right to be upset with their tax dollars being spent on that, but you also have the freedom on a local level to move somewhere else. Um, you have the freedom to move in and voluntary per- to, to participate in those higher taxes. To um, right. You, you, you also have a lot of collaboration here. Do you know, tax dollars pay for them? That well, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, who, when you say higher taxes, um, the tax rate in Carmel hasn't changed for years, maybe close to a decade. Right. Because it's really the commercial taxes that are paying, not residential property taxes. So, so are, you just, yeah. are you saying, like, companies and corporations coming here may have a higher tax mm-hmm. than others, but it to prevent it from affecting the residents as much. So it's not yeah. a blanket tax, as you're saying that corporate tax is a little higher here than... You've got to, you've got to be mindful of that because it's um, very easy for a fishers as they grow to say, hmm, all right, the competition can undercut you in certain ways. So and that's the hard thing about local government. And, and I'm a localist. I want you to make all the decisions that you've made on the council and do what you do and build a great city the way that you see fit. And I may disagree, but I can have yeah. the freedom to move. Sure. I think once you start to centralize power, it, I, can, I can call you up. I can Facebook message you. I can have easy access to power, right, to the person that has direct force over me. Try to get a meeting with um, who's your congressperson. 
Victoria Sparks. Victoria Sparks or Andre Carson, who's mine. I mean, it would be very difficult. Unless you know somebody who can get you in the door, it's very hard to do that. And so, let alone the president. You know, so as we, and when you watch the news, people talk about the president like they're a king, like they're, you know, what Joe Biden has not yet weighed in on this cultural thing that he has no power to influence, or even a political thing that he has no power to influence. But that's because our tendency as human beings is to just simplify. We want to simplify government, and so it's just easier to throw it on the federal government because that's what the news talks about because of the growing hegemony of. News, which is why I love podcasting, because it decentralizes media. It breaks it apart. It gives people like me a chance to be heard. It gives people like you guys to show off voluntary cooperation in your local communities. So, and you I know that this decision, what you listen to and what you don't listen to at that point. Right. With media, you have the decision, do I want to listen to more of this or more of this? Yeah, and that, that's the what's going on in podcasting. When I started, it was like, you know, until five years ago, I had to have a thing on my website that taught you how to download a podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you didn't have Spotify. Right. right. I was talking to a major podcast company yesterday, two days ago, and they were nervous about Apple and big tech killing off I access to IP addresses because that destroys demographic information, which is what they sell. And so all these major companies that have um, centralized podcasting because they have an easier time making revenue uh, are threatened by this because it, it threatens their ability to centralize podcasting, which we don't want. We don't want the RSV, RSS. Yeah, it's easier for Spotify to do it, but you don't want to lose that freedom of having that walled garden like fit, like what happened with Facebook. Um, so, and government's much the same way. As Facebook has gotten bigger, as Facebook has grown, are we happier with Facebook or are we more apt to just go, I hate this thing, I want it to go away, and it's way easier for it to go away because we walk away with our feet instead of having to fight to get it out of our lives. And so, so I'm a big fan of local government. I think um, you know, you should get involved. What I saw in the Libertarian Party is Rush County Party starts in 2010. They show up to county commissioner meetings with video cameras to put it on YouTube. Who's ever been to a county commissioner meeting? Who's ever put it on YouTube? They stopped a $100 million project because sunshine was put on, on their local activities. Um, and so when people talk about we need a revolution, we need violence at the Capitol, we need this to change government, like you just need to go to a county commissioner meeting or meet your local county councilor or know who your mayor is, get involved. Most people have never gotten involved because they, they just write politics off as, oh, that's just horrible. And, and really, Jeff can tell you, it's one of the greatest ways to get to know your community, to talk to yeah. people that are really involved and to make great connections. But you have to stop watching Tiger King in order to get out there and do that. Yeah, I mean, it, it and you really have to turn off talk radio and television news and, and a lot of the, you know, like CNN and Fox News do not reflect our politics. You know, the, the disconnect between your major political talk and what's happening in your local community is amazing. Yeah. And once you get involved, you realize most people are not evil. They're just doing what they think is best. There's a reason that Jim Brainerd thinks that you should have a television on a water tower. Why don't you go and ask him yeah. instead of just posting on your Facebook about how he's a tyrant, right? Yeah. So I, I'm all for getting involved because it's led to my career in media. It's led to great relationships. Like I met Robert Bain 
who is my business partner in Leaders and Legends, um, which led me to meeting Samantha, which led me to meeting Matt, which led me to meeting uh, all the great folks at Lucian. Well, which led you to being hugged by me. But aggressively hugged at a center time. That, that was so snuggles. funny. He comes up and he's like, this guy came up and hugged me. He thought, and he thought it was Matt Allen because... I, I told him Matt, Matt, as big as Matt Allen can't hug like this. I literally uh, turned around and a man accosted me, and I was like, "What is happening <laughs> Welcome here?" Welcome to Synergize. I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, the pandemic because it allowed six feet of space and no touching. <laughs> is there an introvert in your heart, my friend? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a friend didn't, during the middle of the pandemic. He said. Is it bad that I just don't want this to stop? Yeah. <laughs> so you're a handshaker, not a hugger. Uh, I prefer you're a hug awake. over a handshake. Oh, okay. Your hands are dirty, and I don't want to touch them. Yeah. <laughs> so you're cool with the hug, but oh, just in general, scary. you do like. Yeah. I just want a little social signal that it's about to happen to me. Yeah. But <laughs> Brendan, Brendan's a perfect example. Oh, I, hug, I hug Brendan like it's going out of style, but at the same time, if if I come up behind Brendan to hug him and he doesn't see me there, uh, like, oh yeah, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> yeah, we don't know oh, who yeah. you are. I'm Aaron. I'm a oh, hugger. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I'm a hugger. But could we help Aaron uh, develop some kind of a social signal? I, I think that would be a service to America. Like a clicking or something? I, I don't I think I, there's got to be an app for that. Who? Um, but how could we? I've got it. May I hug you? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that would take too much time. Yeah. That's not No, I really, style. I didn't mind. I thought it was, I thought it was funny and... Yeah, right. As uh, yeah, as a um, uh, a, a listener to this show, I I, w- I felt like I was starstruck, literally, by by Aaron and his hug after hearing so so much about it. So, mm-hmm. well, I feel like you know people don't ask permission to have a crap look on their face to people. People don't ask permission to treat people like crap. People don't have a ask permission to be in a negative mood that affects other people. So. Why should you have to ask permission for a hug? Exactly. Right? Now, realistically, now, in terms of, like, you know, HR, things like that, or someone would be like, hey, you know, I came, I didn't know you, I'm actually not a hugger, I'm not really even a handshaker, I'm a fist bumper, and I was hugged, I don't think I want that anymore. You know, that makes sense. I, yeah, I but you, that, you, but. Would, you would hear to, hey, could you not hug me, you're okay with that, yeah. but the first one's free. Yes. Mm-hmm. But do you keep then like a spreadsheet or something, or how do you keep track of that? With, I, with a mind like that, you don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah. He's we're almost. Gonna, he's and, almost Paladin War Rebel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and there is a difference between permission and warning. There's yeah. a big difference. Yeah. Sometimes you just ask forgiveness, right? So yeah. I think we, I think we need to get that noise that you had, uh, Evan, and we just oh, did the DJ air horn. Yeah. yeah. DJ air. We'll have that on what, deck. One thing I wanted to say real quick. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about other things, but while we're talking about the um, political parties, um, what? So w- when you come out as like a libertarian, obviously, no, as libertarian has kind of I'm come out as, as yeah, a, no, I get what you yeah. as a thing. Right. Obviously, there's had to be a lot of examination, not with a non-biased lens of. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party and the Republican Party mm-hmm. in a, a very non-biased examination. A lot of times, Republican Party and Democratic parties, there's examination, but it's always a lot of times through a very biased lens and yeah. looking for differences to stand against rather than the unity of it. Mm-hmm. When it comes to libertarian, is there 
a few things that you think that all three there's that common unity between that's not necessarily talked about as much that if that's what we as people led with before we talked about the party we were affiliated with there could kind of be respect friendship kind of a un- and unifying a unif- ground kind of thing yep so and then from that, there that we then discover yeah <laughs> yeah no i think um i think you start with the foundational principle which is the non-aggression principle is that i will agree to not aggress against you as long as you agree to not aggress against me it's not pacifism if you come up and hug me aggressively and i don't like it because you touched me i have every right to defend myself if i think i'm being attacked yeah is it rational to automatically swing no but you know so there has to be some thought to it but i think you start with the foundational principle yeah um and there is a utopian aspect to that because there will always be bad actors but we have to examine what creates more bad actors is it freedom is it liberty is it cooperation is it a a peaceful solution to a, a common problem or is it knee jerk using force is it putting people in jail for um, in Indiana for something that is legal in 37 states. Uh, I think marijuana and the drug war are, are two. Uh, I think that is an issue that kind of unites everybody because, uh, you know, I was on a, on a clubhouse with a bunch of other libertarian podcasters and they asked, what have you seen in the last 10 years or since you started your show that, um, that have, where liberty has grown? And a few of us have done it for a decade. Well, the answers were um, more distrust in um, authority in general, an examination of police tactics. Um, Gay marriage is now legal. It's not even a question like it was in 2010. Uh, Marijuana legalization. Uh, I think the pandemic, one of my answers was the pandemic made people on the left and right examine government power and its ability to um, up- impact us. Uh, it's not mm. that, it's not even a moral question of should you shut down businesses. It's the impact regardless. It's, that's what they can't it, mm-hmm. Yeah, should they? But it's also the effectiveness. Mm-hmm. The effectiveness of the, the, the rise in suicide, uh, local, in, I did a nonprofit radio show through the pandemic. 300% increase to the suicide hotlines, a double to quadrupling of needs at food banks. Um, you know, the misery, you know, schools are now the fundamental distribution point for, for welfare and charity. And for, it's the lifeline for low-income families that are in desperate situations. And when we closed down schools for a year, we took those households that aren't surviving on two incomes shut out one or both of the incomes cut off their food supply by shutting off food was that wise did we really impact the disease and the spread of the disease in a way that um saved lives i think when you look at the government policy towards the pandemic it didn't work um now, does that mean that people should have been out and doing whatever they wanted in the middle of a pandemic? No, I was always for voluntarily sheltering in place. I changed most of my behaviors for 2010. I love, I am an introvert, but I love going out and being in a room like this. And I wanted to do that, but I knew it wasn't wise. It wasn't fair to all the other people in my life. You know, I didn't go anywhere before Christmas. 
because I wanted to see my family. Um, and everybody saw those decisions, made the best decisions for their friends and family. You don't stop at a stop sign because there's a big red sign and a ticket behind it. You stop because it's in your best interest. And so we don't trust people to make decisions for themselves because of the 5 to 10% of our society that are bad actors. And that need to control people is the thing that we have to attack. Why do you feel the need to tell everyone, 100% of people, that they need to curb their behavior because of fear of 5 to 10% of people? Um, and doing that creates more resentment, creates more backlash. So I've, you've seen liberty grow exponentially as the concept of libertarianism has spread. Uh, you know, we... Like podcasting, I had to explain what the word meant in 2009. Uh, it was an underground movement, and, and it's widely known. You've seen uh, independents in, in states that register voters. Indiana's not one. You've seen independents grow to 33 34%. It's now more than Republicans or Democrats. Uh, as a millennial, we grew up on Howard Stern. We grew up on South Park. We grew up on very countercultural, anti-authority positions. Um, and so we question authority a lot more. And Gen Z is, if you love authority, they're even worse because they're um, nihilistic about it. You know, we'll, we're, we're community-minded, so we'll do things like this, but Gen Z will make fun of this, meme it, and then, you know, stay in their basement. And, it's, you know, it's a little more like, let it burn. I don't care. Um, but institutions... It's like the difference between coming together with people and standing against something. Right. And... Going by yourself and standing and yeah. attacking everything. Yeah, the challenge is, I'm a communitarian first. I believe that community and institutions are the key to having a healthy lo local government, uh, uh, to having a healthy society. But it starts with self-improvement, which is one reason I like this show. If you want to have liberty in your society, if you want to have freedom, it starts with your own personal revolution of mental health, emotional health, physical health. As I, I was 330 pounds, I'm wearing almost a 2XL, which I haven't done since middle school. You know, I mean, you've got to get your physical health, which led to four years of therapy, which led to a great relationship, which led to a, a career success. It led to, you know, as you improve yourself, you start to improve the people around you. You start to improve your community, which repairs the fabric of society. So you've got to have institutions but you also have to be wary of the power that institutions have and the, the immobility of it. Some institutions need to burn and need to be torn down, and some don't. Um, where uh, I, I'm a Christian, and when gleaners needed four times their food take, it was the community, it was Christian churches that helped fill that void, right? So... Um, you're never going to decrease the amount of government unless you increase the amount of community involvement and personal responsibility. Yeah, and you probably had people... all this, like, quotes, and you're, you're saying so many great <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah, well, that example is you, it rallied community-minded people that wanted to be part of something bigger than themselves. Some may have also been democratic beliefs. Some may have been Republican beliefs. Some may have been libertarian beliefs. Some may have not had an opinion on it at all. They just wanted to complain about everything. But when it came to stepping up and doing their part for those in need in their community, they found that common denominator. Yeah. So that's... It, it was a great... It, as much as it was hard on low-income families and small business owners, uh, 
2010 taught us. 2020, thank you. Yeah, we, we knew it was 2010. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it taught us the need for community. It taught us the need for other people. It taught us that what material things do I live without so I can increase in other ways? I mean, it, do I need to be... Every, every yes that I say to a podcast like this or to a new client or to a new podcast or whatever is a no to my fiance and her, her daughter, right? right? And is that yes more important than what I'm building there? So, um, so it's gotta be worth my time, right? Like, and so I didn't know, I didn't understand that fully until last year. Do you find that you have greater compassion, greater connection with people when you understand their stories? Oh yeah. As a yeah. podcaster, yeah. as somebody who interviews, as somebody who checks. Yeah. Cause I have a good friend who is really hesitant about, um, people who had adopted a gay lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, and then he met a friend who was a pivotal point in his life, in his yeah. family's life. And once he started to understand that friend's story, his viewpoint changed. Yeah. And he still had some fundamental beliefs, but his compassion and his love expanded. And that's what I saw through the pandemic. That's what I've seen in business, that when we understand each other's stories, then we understand where each other is coming from. Yeah. And our compassion expands, our willingness to help expands, and where we used to have divides, now we have things that are common and that build bridges instead of division. And, mm. and, and politics and media today are meant to inflame those things to keep you listening. That's right. Um, not, not to tick you off because they're your favorite, but you watch a Tucker Carlson every night, he wants you tuning in to be angry. You know, there's a lot of CNN that is the same way. It goes both ways, right? If you listen to a lot of political podcasts, the way to build your tribe is through tribalism. And so, you know, in the libertarian space, I do something differently than a lot of those other people. They're, they're you know, I'm anti-left, and so we're just tuned in today to be mad at the left and what they're doing. And what the We Are Libertarians podcast network is about is taking 13 podcasts with very opinionated hosts who have the same vein of belief, but 13 different varying opinions. Mm. When we get together tomorrow, there are left-leaning libertarians, right-leaning libertarians, conspiracy theorists, <laughs> you know, people that would live in Carmel and vote for every big project but call themselves libertarians. Like there's, you know, and, and what you find is, you know, you, being in politics, you know this, the greatest fights, you expect a Republican or if you're a Republican, a Democrat to oppose you. All right, that's fine. It's the other Republicans or the other Democrats that you that you are most angry at. Those are the bitterest feuds, the interparty feuds. Mm -hmm. And so what we've tried to do is use Christian principles, which I don't say it this plainly, but of peacemaking, of patience, of love grace, of loving your neighbor, of towards each other as a group to model that to our audiences. Uh, and so that's you're, what has you're to happen. A new foundation. Yeah, what you have to do in politics. Po Political bigotry is one of the last acceptable forms of bigotry. You can hate a Democrat if you're a Republican, and nobody will check you on that. Right. They'll encourage and it. They'll encourage it because it benefits fundraising. It benefits audience growth. It benefits it's, – it's a much slower road. Um, you know, Howard Stern built his career on being angry at DiBella and, and you know, or bashing Howard Stern, right, or, or Bob and Tom, I mean. He grew on anger, yeah. but once he got to a certain point, he realized this is a terrible way for me to live. It's toxic for my soul, yeah. and he's tried to be a bridge builder, I think, because when you're in politics, there are not many 
um, old political hacks. It's a lot of people in their 20s who haven't learned the lessons that... The lessons that right. And so, you know, it's... Politics is inherently divisive because it's just, you've got, you, when you start a campaign, you've got a year and a half. And what's the quickest way to grow your fundraising base, to get volunteers, to get voters? It's to blame somebody else for everybody's problems. It's much harder to say... Um, is that how you won? <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's um, Paladin style. It, <laughs> oh but God. that's why I love local government. Just won't die. Because you see people like Jeff who love their community, who want to invest in it, who want to take those yeah. principles and apply them. Um, but I just, I think it's... The, the pro I'm staunchly anti-Trump, and it's not that I'm anti-Republican. I identify with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, if you listen to The Dispatch or Jonah Goldberg, I, I kind of identify more with them and, and the Republican Party than I do the Democratic Party. But Donald Trump has corrupted the soul of many Christians of the Republican Party because he has turned them away from peacemaking from grace, from patience, and Christian principles, and turned them against their neighbor. And you have neighbors fighting neighbors now, literally. Uh, and it's because a lot of my people, Christian conservative people, walked away from what we truly believe in what really works in building a community. So it's, it's incumbent on everybody to say, to reject that style of politics, to reject tribalism. Um, it doesn't mean giving up your principles. And that's what a lot of new people think, is that if I hear your story and, and I hear what you believe, you're somehow going to infect me with your disease <laughs> and you're going to give up all of your principles. But no, that friction refines a person yeah. and makes them more tolerant and understanding. Especially if we can have a difference of opinion and yeah. still honor each other as people. Yeah. I don't have to agree with you to care yeah. about you as a human being, yeah, to care about yeah. your family. And that's, for me, the foundational principle that I looked at. Because I had friends on the left and right during Trump and all that stuff. And they would get really angry. And I said, listen, before we get to any of this stuff, did I love my neighbor like I loved my best friend? Yeah. Did I honor God in the way that I acted and spoke and lived? And until I get those two right, I'm not really interested in parsing your differences. Because we have a foundation to start with yeah. before we do it. What's well, interesting, we made a faith connection earlier because I was thinking, like you, you say, community involvement must increase for government to decrease. And if we're thinking about ourselves and the bad that's in us, if we sweep that out, you have to put something good in its place or it'll just come right back in. Yeah, that's right. What are you so, focusing on? Yeah. You know, are you focusing on how you're going to take something from somebody else to achieve your political goals? Or are you focusing on enriching the lives of other people and encouraging an environment? Yeah. I mean, I want to encourage an environment in the places that I live of pro-growth, pro-business yeah. growth, yes. pro-jobs, yes. pro-charity, pro, you know, what, pro are, what are the... Pro-physical health. What we saw last year is all these regulations that suddenly weren't necessary to get vaccines approved, to get businesses back to operation. Why are we putting those back in place? Why were they there to begin with? It's because someone with deep pockets said, put this in place and I will donate to your local charity. You know, so a lot of what happens um, is a politician will set up a charity and they'll say, uh, put this in place so it helps solidify my so business can, position. Set up a charity? Right. <laughs> Run for office. Yeah. And it isn't that that <laughs> politician Carmel. isn't passionate about that charity that they've set up. It's right. also a way to kind of 
you know, tool hey, to, a, to an end. Yeah. yeah, there's if you want me to do something, there's got to be some action, and I can't take a personal, you know, paycheck from this major corporation, but I can't have them donate to my charity, so my social standing grows. So that's a very complicated ethical question because well, you're doing good, but you're also decreasing competition in a, in a I think it's interesting because one of my mentors always encouraged me to watch the trail of money watch where money is going and you'll see usually who has an agenda or mm -hmm. a uh, skin in the game so to speak for that cause or that purpose um, and he would really encourage me and see when you see where the money's going start looking at for where action actions are taking people in love and service and building community and building that foundation that allows us to grow in a way that's healthy. Yeah. And he said, and then go be part of that solution. If you're really that upset with something that President Trump's doing or somebody else is doing, I understand your frustration. What are you doing in your local community in the reach of the people in your life to leave the world a better place? Because yeah. I can't control Washington. I can vote, I'll do my part, but I can't control that. But I can control what happens here in my local community or at Cleaners Food Bank or with Food Rescue when I become love in action. That's something I can Yeah, control. the Libertarian Party of Indiana now has something called Second Sunday where the locality the local party focuses in one district out of the nine districts on a local charity just to go out and be in the community. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a common criticism of capitalism is this corruption. Yeah. But I'm not a crony capitalist. I don't believe that corporations should, I don't believe that Facebook should welcome regulation so they can cement their position to then bludgeon new, new markets like the podcasting industry. Right. I'm against that. Um, and that's a place where we connect with the left. But... I, I always tell people, don't run, a camp, don't run for office. I mean, maybe try it if you want to try it. I think there's a lot of benefit to running for office, a lot of great connections. Start a business or start a nonprofit. Be out in your community providing jobs, providing meals, providing an under undermet service, and your personal network will grow. Your ability to influence others will grow, and they will start to see what you're talking about. That's why I love podcasts. It's why I don't run for office, I do a podcast. Mm -hmm. My five, ten hours a week devoted towards spreading liberty is devoted to that because yeah. I can come on a podcast like this, talk about what I believe. Everybody walks away hopefully going, all right, a lot of that made sense. There's some things I disagree with. And but you're open to that dialogue too. You probably wouldn't invite me on if I messaged and said, I am a candidate for House District 87 and I'd like to promote myself, the products, and it, and it feels like salesy and all you know mm -hmm. but you if you're a local business owner if you're a local nonprofit manager if you're a podcaster starting your own media company you have the ability to influence your values on other people in a healthy voluntary way as opposed to doing politics yeah he sounds he's not a libertarian he's a synergizarian Synergi yeah. Synergizarian. Yeah. <laughs> that's everything he's saying this, is the, this yeah. is the new party it's still uh, to come. Well, it's it's kind of like with Synergize, if I say I think that sales pitches suck and stories are unbelievable, yeah. it's not on me to go convince everybody who has the greatest sales pitch that they live by that, hey, that sucks. You know what? Go, go sling it. That's mm -hmm. what you want to do. Yeah. But those that identify with what I identify with is… You know what? A story is more powerful. You've recognized. We have a place for you. You've, you've you found know. a community and a home. Yep. Yeah. Where you, you can. You've recognized that in, in our training. If I walk up to you and said, "Would you like to change your entire belief system in the next forty-five yeah. minutes over this coffee or through this speech?" 
I'm going to get you to change everything you believe about politics. It's not how it works. It's it's making personal connections. It's storytelling. Building it's relationships. building relationships. Yeah. It's networks of power, right? Like that's why I really believe in in you know. There's a lot of charities in Indianapolis that I talk to on my radio show or on Leaders and Legends, a podcast focusing on Indianapolis, where we talk to um, like a lot of foundations. They're focused on taking lower income folks and connecting them with people that live in Carmel who have higher networks of power so they can get better jobs. And, you know, that's why I hate like the whole moral panic around things like CRT because it, it puts parents versus school boards and there's merits and, and all that conversation. But the reality is that if you want to end racism, you have to have people who are opposite of it, like the Starfish Initiative. They're a mentoring charity here in Indianapolis that pairs people who are cross-demographic. If you are a young black man, you're paired with an older white woman. You, you know, like it, It's cross-demographic, so they can network with each other, help you fill out your college applications. What do you need? How can I help you get an internship? How can I network poverty out of Indianapolis? Yes. And that's, that. that's really what libertarians want to foster is that kind of cooperation as opposed to I'm going to take from you and trickle down money from the federal government to in a, people in it. non-financially responsible. Like, How many of us look at bureaucracies in the B&B and go, wow, that's effective? We want more well, of this. I don't want to lose Chris without hearing a little bit about his experience on these famous radio shows. Okay. So... Uh, so I, I moved here in 1986, flipped on uh, 94.7. Is that? Yeah. Is, do I have it right? No, what I don't have. I don't do that anymore. It's now you know you just it just pops up. But right. um, and you know and the first time I met you, your name was famous. I go Chris Spangle. Oh my gosh, I know Chris Spangle, but I don't really know Chris Spangle. So you know your experience. You got started. When did you first start working with Bob and Tom? So I was I left the Libertarian Party to work for a local ad firm, Engelhart, and I was a marketing director for a big Libertarian group. I was I saw you riding around in a golf cart at Carmel Fest while I was working the Libertarian booth, oh, giving out the world's smallest political quiz. <laughs> and what we found here is that you'd think that oh, this Republican bastion, there were no dots in the conservative quadrant. It was all all the people that take these ten questions and you plot them on the chart. They're all libertarian, centrist, and a little bit liberal. Nobody in the conservative quadrant. So it was kind of interesting over the last decade to see Republicans go centrist, statist a little bit more. Um, but um, so I, I worked for the world's smallest political quiz, the Advocates, and I needed a logo. And I went and uh, met, and he. Blair hosted radio shows at Q95 and knew PJ Yinger, the legendary PJ, who has done artwork for Bob and Tom for 30 years or more. Um, great guy, totally changed the course of my life. Called me one day and said, uh, hey, Tom wants to meet you. No. Because <laughs> like, uh, I had told PJ, I was like, here's what I'd do differently. Here's where I think you guys need improvement. And you know, he wanted me to tell and that. How old to, are you? I'm 37. This, no, I mean then. So this was 10 years ago. That's a 20 late so 20s. So they're listening. Yeah. Okay, wow. So you know, that's impressive. PJ recognized that I had radio experience, marketing experience. Broad. You know, I understood a lot of the things that they were in need of at the time, and I sat in front of Tom and 
for two hours and he took notes, which is, I've never seen him talk to anybody for more than five minutes. Um, so, but I, I ended up over a period of months doing some consulting, ended up being hired full time in 2013, late 2013. Uh, and it, it like, very, I've, I've been fortunate by that I peaked at 35 because I've had every dream job I ever wanted. Because, <laughs> so what you know, Reagan? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, right. So there's I, no what's next. I, I, I worked as an audio editor for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I, learned, I worked in local, ra local radio. I, I've worked for Bob and Tom. Like, you know, I've been able to host my own radio show on my podcast network. Like, I wake up every day excited to do what I do. Like, um, I'm across all these different things, you know, I'm... I'm did the math a couple weeks ago before my meeting with my sales coach, Emily Shaw at Lucian. I worked nine hours, six days a week to make all this stuff work. And I never get tired. I never get bored with it. I do get burnt out, take a couple days off. But it's just, uh, you know, they say never meet your heroes, but that was not the case at Bob and Tom. So it's just, it's a, a place that I love and love my you guys laugh Good for like you. All the time. Yes. I mean, it is the most inappropriate workplace you can imagine. Like, there's. Because um, I never know, I I rarely know what they they were talking about. Yeah. I just would laugh because they were laughing. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, it's just the laughter. The canned laughter thing is a common criticism from people who don't listen. But I've run the board. I got to run the board, sit in the studio for one month. It's infectious because they're genuinely trying to one up each other. And what we saw last year is that people there is a no politics rule, which is funny because that's like been my main thing, right? So it's like. Always, uh, if you're a Bob and Tom fan, don't follow me on Facebook. But, um, you know, it's a fun escape. It's a fun way to start your day. It's, you, you laugh. There's going to be something funny. And, uh, it's, and, and it's had a big resurgence over the last few years because the goal is not to make you mad. It's just to give you a fun. Like, yeah. you listen to a podcast and you're like, oh, man, what happened on Crime Junkie? I, I have to rewind this five minutes because I was writing this email. Like Bob and Tom's kind of that thing that you can put on the background and have a good time and um, not worry about it too much and you know and we don't get offended if you don't listen to every minute and there's just a real need for that escape sometimes where it's not serious it's just sort of fun and you do laugh I mean if you're sitting in the studio you're laughing you're you know you're laughing just like you are in the car uh, and and the behind the scenes people I work with you don't get into the Hall of Fame without attracting t Hall of Fame talent. You know, like, the affiliates guy is the best in the business, knows every. I mean, he is just like a walking encyclopedia of local and national radio. Um, our general manager, John, a Carmel resident, uh, is has just transformed the place into a juggernaut. And um, it's, everybody I work with is just, fun and inappropriate and uh, you we have an HR but you just don't call them that's the, so the rule you, you a lot of hugging there? with no permission going on if yeah. you ask no yeah. touching oh, no oh, no touching. but that's jokes cool. that you would not tell on this podcast for sure and and usually the darker the joke the more laughs you get because when you've heard Brendan gets pretty dark I don't know he can say some pretty inappropriate stuff he's, we have a guy that has to defend himself either. ask him about Barbara very Sox. interesting do you go to, uh, is, I mean, are they all in the same room every single day? And so we are, we are connected to, we don't, I work for the show. The um, yeah. yeah uh, and there's a wing on the iHeart stations, like Alt 103, Q95, and we're in that building. There's, I don't know how many employees there are now, 10 to 20 people. I mean, it's, it's a pretty significant operation. 
um, because as radio has kind of centralized, local stations need more, and as a national show, we've kind of stepped up to serve our affiliates more. Um, I am working from home probably permanently. I go in one or two, you know, probably once a week, one every other week, um, and I like that because, you know, working from home, people will understand, like, your boss needs to see you every year. Your coworkers need to know that you still are there. Like, you know, there's reasons to go in, but we've we found a way to make it work Good. where yeah. a lot of us are at home. Yeah. So you great. helped us with our podcast. I met Robert at a Synergize event, mm-hmm. and um, he told me what you guys did, and so that's how I got connected to yeah. you. And you, you like this podcast right away. Can you tell us what you think about our podcast on the podcast? Yeah, so I met Robert Bain, host of Leaders and Legends, a podcast that's focused on Indianapolis and history, and it's a really great show. Um, I know I'm biased, but you'll agree. Uh, and, you know, we've done that for over two years now, um, and Robert uh, is self-employed, and he goes, why are you having lunch every week giving away free consulting? And uh, there's no free consulting, as Caitlin will tell you. That's, like, number one rule that when you're when you want he's like you should you should do consulting on the side and uh so about six months ago i started to tiptoe into that world i'd I'd worked with robert but um you know i i've basically paid for my engagement ring now i've got to pay for a wedding doing this stuff in the (laughs) on the side and in the evening and uh and it's been a ton of fun and you know so now i'm helping podcasters launch their podcast where do you start? There's a million different choices. My goal is to make that easy on you. Um, and when I had lunch with you and we talked about this, I saw the potential right away. And I saw what I think already existed but has already kind of grown. And I, I think um, we have a podcast on the Wall Network called The Boss Hog of Liberty out in Newcastle, Indiana. And that's where the pool party is going to be tomorrow. Uh, and... There's no media or news in Newcastle, Indiana. There's a paper, but they're so understaffed. And it's not fun or funny or personality-based. And what I've seen there is is people, much like what you guys have built, people talking about the show, people wanting to get involved in the show, people wanting to sponsor, um, which you should sponsor, podcast on the plaza. Uh, you know, because you're reaching a smaller audience, but it's people that are in that locality and people are very hungry to know what's going on around them because we've built a lot of back porches over the last 30, 40 years. We haven't built a lot of front porches. And your gossiping grandma going to church and connecting was the way that news spread around, and now it's podcasts. And so... Uh, are what, you going to share the Newcastle story? What? what? The Newcastle story. Are you going to share that, the controversy? Uh, oh, with the windmills and the doughboy and oh, all that? They have, they have their own goat. Yeah. 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 The statue you showed that. So the Doughboy was this World War One statue that mothers of World War One veterans erected the statue of a Doughboy in a park. It was back along a tree line, getting overgrown. Nobody ever saw it. So the park planning commission said, "Let's put it front and center." And they found a guy who was going to pay for it all and build a museum. And. You would have thought that they said, we're going to douse it in gasoline, light it on fire, and then praise the Kaiser. I mean, it was insane. I mean, it was, and so it was this massive controversy that, uh, and at the same time, they were wanting to build windmills, and they, they like, had their own uh, complete overturn of local government because of the windmills, and anybody that was for it 
the doughboy and the windmills got voted out and it was, you know, and the boss hog, which is sort of a troll on Jeremiah because he's bossy. So I said, I'm going to call your show the boss hog of liberty. And it's kind of, now it's like a thing and it's sort of funny. Um, But everybody was listening to it. Everybody was engaging with it. Everybody was talking, they were having on all the local leaders. Where are you going to have the the anti and the pro windmill people on? You know, you can't have a a debate, but you have people on, tell their side, have the other people ask them the questions. And I see a lot of potential. Like people kind of know the goat story because they have heard maybe some of the rumors or they saw in the news and... But what's the goat owner side of the story? You maybe got three lines in a news article. We're going to get that. We're going right. to find out soon. So you have an hour to have a conversation with that person and then invite on the, the, the opposition and have a conversation with them and let people kind of make up their own minds. And that's the beauty of podcasting is that you can be locally focused. You can have people on that are significant and talk about events and you're probably not going to get Joe Rogan numbers, but you're going to get the right thousand ears that are going to invest in, in your community and come to your events and get engaged and synergize. And, you know, and, and for, for business owners, for instance, it's helped, you know, it's Robert is call up the person in your industry or, or, you know, if you have a podcast to call up a local government official I want to have lunch with you. It's probably not going to happen. Call up the influence in your industry. Can I get an hour of your time? No. But if you invite them on a podcast to have a conversation with you, they they walk away impressed. And I've seen this with Robert's podcast where people just sat flat out, didn't want to do it. They were annoyed that their assistant had signed them up for this. And then by the end, they were like, this is awesome. Thanks so much. This is a great conversation. Uh, and, you know, audio has always been second tier. If you embed an MP3 on your Facebook page, it's like horrible looking. But video and writing are the other two forms of communication, images, and they've all been first here. Audio is now being adopted by all these major tech companies because they see the, the profit in selling advertising on podcasts, and your audiences are only going to grow. You're, you're only going to have, you know, we're at like 40% of people now download and use a podcast. It's projected to be 60% in two years. It's going to be 100% in a decade. Um, and pod, that's why all these radio companies are investing in podcasting, because they see we can, we can, you know, a lot of our listeners are like you. They listen on the mobile app. Download the Bob and Tom app, please. Um, really make me look good at work. Uh, and so, you know, they listen on the mobile app or they listen on Alexa or they listen in the car on the radio. They listen on, they watch the, the YouTube stuff. So, um, you know, media is expanding, audio is expanding, and it's because the foundation of it is conversation and storytelling, which is the main mode the brain uses to gather information. Mm-hmm. Pod- podcasting will exceed video? Absolutely. And why? I'm just curious why. Um, you feel like that podcaster that you love is your best friend. I have the, the interaction that we had, right? Like, mm-hmm. And I'm always surprised by it because I don't like think anybody should know who I am. Um, they have a conversation. They know, with, they know you, right? Like you walk up and meet somebody and they're like, you know, Matt and I are friends and I've never met Matt because he listens to the Chris Bangle show. You know, and has for years and has an awareness of what's going on in my life and, you know, follows me on social media. There's a connection there that is intimate. When you watch a video, do you have that same level of intimacy with a, a 
let's say a five minute sales video or a YouTuber. I mean, it's, there's something about audio and the passive listening that I think connects people in a very strong way that video and writing, it, it's not that video and writing and images don't connect with people. It's just that the amount of connection is so much more consistent with podcasting. I think so it's so interesting. I think it me personally, I don't I personally don't think it's the video or the podcast um, avenue that's the thing. I think it's that we as humans, it is much easier to be authentic and conversational on podcast and yeah. tell like tell and be part of that story together on podcast. Yeah. It's just as easy to do that on video. It should be. But as soon as the cameras are up, there yeah. becomes this little bit of a more of the front porch and a little bit retraction of the back porch. You're when right. you take yeah. the camera out, you're able to bring that back porch forward a little bit more. So there are some incredible videographers that cause like and almost force that back porch front and center. But with a podcast, it doesn't really have to be forced. We each individually, naturally can can do it a little easier. Joe so. Rogan is popular because he's not editing. He's just yeah. he's provoking a conversation yeah. that's interesting for people and then doesn't edit it. And you know, the old school, old style of media is you take you take a one hour show and you edit it down to a five minute clip. And I think over the last two or three years Everybody in media has realized that long-form content, because the big knock on my show or podcast was, who's going to listen to an hour thing? Who's going to listen to three hours? And Rogan kind of changed that attitude because... I, I get excited when he has like a two and a half hour right. episode. I'm yeah. like, oh, great. And people cool. benchmark it. And so, and it's because it's not edited. You know, it's, there is a place for edited promos and displaying your content in a, in a quick form. Guess? Look through though. No, like Elon think. Musk would have loved to edit part of his, but he, he no, yeah, no, 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 no. no. no it's, Tim it's, Ferriss. Tim Ferriss does. Yeah, no, uh, Rogan. I, I'm a, I'm a ho- co-host of the Pat Down podcast, a comedy podcast, and Miss Pat took me to Rogan's studio, and it's live to tape. They they will occasionally edit some things out if it's a, a real problem. They they tape days in advance. It's not live anymore. Um, but he's just had so many um, issues where he's just like, I want to, ha- I want to have a delay. I want to have a buffer. Um, but you know, a guest calls and says, "Hey, podcast on the plaza, I got this deal going." I said this, you know, or my boss says, "You know, how dare you talk about Bob and Tom? Your job is threatened. You'll edit it out. You'll take it out. You'll, mm-hmm. you know, it's harder when it's live on Facebook." But so, but the live, um, as you're talking, I'm thinking of other live shows that have been around for a long time, like Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And how and and Carol Burnett show, which is how old I am. But that <laughs> people like that because of the because it wasn't edited, and you could see the real personality coming out of the fake personality. Um, or a fake character that they were playing, right. and and there, there's an appeal to that because then you're you're seeing that that real person. Yeah, scripted, edited podcasts are huge. But I like I like how we have video too. Like yeah. we can do both, so you can if you can listen to us, but you can look and identify you know what that person looks like when you are listening and and see you know who's who's involved, and then that way for the community to see us if they're out and they see us out, like, I know you, I've mm-hmm. seen you on this, this video or this um, podcast. And then 
um, then they can go and go back and listen to other podcasts or watch other videos. But I, I like the, the video aspect of it. We have a uniqueness, though. Take the podcast, video, take everything away. We, we are people that long to be real, authentic, and get to know each other. So you add podcasts, you add video to it. We've got video and audio capturing that. Yeah, you're friends. But, so. yes, yeah, because we're friends. We'd be having this conversation if, anyway. Right. Yeah, but if you t- you take me and put me on a room with 100 people that I'm intimidated by that I don't know, and you put a camera there, I'm probably not going to be that natural, energetic hugger that I am just yeah. because... I'm thinking about how is it seen. I'm not so sure well, about that. You know what? I'm still going to hug people, but yeah. uh, maybe yeah. I'm. Yeah, maybe I'm not going to be. He doesn't as... get a lot of attention at home, so. But yeah, I think it's on us to. <laughs> I think it's on us to create, or we as people to create that safe space. And whether there's an audio mic or a video camera there, that they're comfortable being that and pulling that out, regardless if thousand people are hearing it or a thousand people are seeing it on video you get that same transparency but i think i do i think that you are right on the fact that at this time if it's going to one direction or the other Mm -hmm. podcast because you can listen to it and you can it's a little bit easier to be more um Sharing stuff maybe you wouldn't have thought to share while you're on video. Everybody has a thing that they're nerdy about. And there's a thing that if you talked about it, you never stop talking about it. And nobody in that room would care. Your partner is tired of hearing about it. But there's a community out there for you. You For me, it was libertarianism. And I was nerdy about it. And nobody in my direct life cared. But I've built a community out of it. We're we're nerdy about Carmel. Carmel, right. And you guys have become friends. And then people listen and they feel like they're friends of yours. And they get involved in your events. And, you know, you... And over time, that community that comes out of that thing that you're nerdy about, because people are looking to connect, they don't connect on geography anymore. They don't connect at the baseball game or their neighbors in the way that they did when I was a kid in the 80s and 90s or even more before that. Like, they connect online. And so they search the thing they're nerdy about, and then they build community from there. And podcasts are just the tool to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Same with YouTube. You used to play video games with the kid that lived next to you. Now you and the kid that lived next to you sit and watch someone else play video games online. Right. It's like, yeah, I, th- I just. Did you read that, The uh, Thousand True Fans? Not yet. No, but right. yeah. I, the concept is you have a thousand raving fans, you have a career and a community. And I, I just, you know, I. People tend to think that ambition and a desire for influence are a bad thing. And I don't view it that way. I think your ethical positions can make it a negative thing, but if you have a message that you want to get out in this day and age, you've got to have a platform to do that. You've got to have a way to build community, a way to get your message out. Um, and so what I specialize in is not just starting a podcast, because there's a lot of people who like, I'll edit your podcast, I'll, I'll make this, you know, they, they're, and they're kind of new at it, you know? Um, but what I, the people I want to work with have a vision. And Samantha is the type of person that when we talk five years out of what this podcast can turn into, it can be a media company for Carmel and making revenue that supports bigger promotion of what Jeff talks about in the events and you know advertising for uh, uh, Carmel Fest, buying ad time on podcasts in the plaza 
I don't view that as an imposition. I view that as an opportunity. You guys are creating a new space for people to get their message out because their intentions are usually... I'm stupid because I just I, I believe that most people's intentions are good, and I trust most people when I first meet them. Yeah. And then I get really mad when I'm surprised that some people don't have good yeah. intentions. But 80-90% of people I meet just are passionate about something, and they have good intentions and want to help solve some problem for somebody. And uh, there, there are not many Maos and Hitlers and Stalins walking around, but we pretend that there are. And podcasting just is a great way to build some space that, you know, you're, you're investing dollars back into the community when you advertise with podcast on the plaza as opposed to sending it to Mark Zuckerberg. You know, and so as more of these podcasts pop up in industries, I, just, I think it's a great opportunity. And that's why it's becoming the fastest growth industry in media. Podcast movement in two weeks is going to be enormous. In 2018, it was tiny um, because people just see the potential that I see for it. Yeah. So you love liberty, mm-hmm. and we are running out of time here, but I want to ask a question that I love to ask our guests. What is your superpower? Hmm. Line size. I never stop talking. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, my life's mission, if, the, if it's the same thing, is, you know... Yeah, I want to. I want to decentral. My my ultimate mission now is, you know, I want to decentralize media, both in practice and in teaching, to empower individuals and liberate communities. Mm. Yeah, um, that's and great. and in a way that doesn't involve force. Like a that's great. Some Without force, don't. Yeah. yeah. Without not force, like, not like you're almost allowing people to liberate their communities. You're not forcing liberation onto communities right. and then when somebody has it you're not forcing that people to participate in that liberation there yeah. might be 30 different liberations within one community yeah. because you've given them permission and the ability to do that and there, there, there will never be the ability for uh let's say synergize is probably the biggest networking group in carmel 50 years ago, you could become the dominant. You'd make moves to keep everybody out. You, you, that's not how society works with the decentralization of the internet. You have to influence people instead of making moves to force competition out. And that means that there may be three synergizes in a town like Carmel. Yep. Uh, and that's a good thing because if you're touching people literally and figuratively, and they are too, <laughs> and they are too, in, in, a, in a good way... You're influencing each other, you know, and and I just I think that podcasting is the driver for a lot of that. One one thing I'll say to that, um, when you said there might be three um, synergizes in a community, I see synergize as the yep. catalyst or the incubator mm-hmm. for people to produce. I call mine synergize. There's one it be called synergize. There's might be called roundabout fitness yep. podcast on the plaza, X Y and Z. So Synergize is just a, simply a community that helps empower people to do that. Yeah. So um, there might be one Synergize, but there might be 47 things that are known that hopefully are bigger and more impactful than Synergize that yeah. it just helped be a catalyst Everybody's for. good at something, right? Yeah. I don't wake up every day dreaming about how to make the best turnip or grow the best turnip. I don't know how to. That's the beauty of capitalism is that you're a really good connector. You're a really good connector and organization builder. 
you know, you are too. You guys have are connectors, and so there's a lot of things that can springboard out of this. Um, but you're you're pairing people based on their need. It's 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 basic free market economics. Yeah. I'm a good connector, so I'm going to do what I'm really good at. So the guy who's really good at graphic design meets the girl who's really good at SEO, who meets the person that's really good at podcasting, who meets the good the, the person. You know, it's like that's how markets work and so you need people who exercise their superpower and when you're younger you kind of think everybody should have my superpower I need to have all the superpowers and the real the realization as you get older is you just, just need like, to value the dig differences in, dig in and cooperate with people. so it's we, we got to wrap things up yep. we went over time I think we could sit here and talk for another two hours this is yep. so much mm-hmm. fun I mean I love listening to you talk and I'm going to sit down with you for two hours by myself so yeah <laughs> Or a hug. Or a hug. Yeah, so we yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up. Thank you so much for being on here and we're gonna do this again because there's so much more we mm-hmm. can talk about. And so much more for people to, to learn. And then if people do want to listen to you, they have several ways in that. Yeah, is. you can check out all my projects at Chris-Spangle.com, like Star Spangle Banner without the D. Um, the Chris Spangle show is my main podcast. If you just type into a podcast like uh, if you want to, if you're interested in starting a podcast, it's leadersandlegends.net, and I'm about to launch podcasting and platforms, which you can go to podcastingandplatforms.com, and and I'm going to teach people how to start their own podcast, and then, you know, if people want a more direct, hands-on approach, then they hit me up on the coaching side. So, um, I'm going to, you know, between the Chris Spengel show and the pat down and this, you're you're kind of hear weekly conversations about all the stuff I talked about. Right, and now you get to do the weekend big list with Jeff. I'm excited about that. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, lots yeah. of more things people, too. More people in Carmel are going to know you. That means you have to move to Carmel. <laughs> She's been working. She's going to vote against all the projects. Yes, right. he is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Vote me out. I'm also, sure. real quick, anybody who is watching this and seeing the video, five by five communications is what's the back end producing yeah. this. Alan does a great job, and uh, I do. I don't do what Alan does, and that's the great thing. You know, you find people who, you know, we do very similar things in terms of podcast production, but we do different things and have different experiences, and that's the cool thing. And and you guys are uh, super served by Alan. He does a great job, and 5 by 5 Communications is worth your your money and time. And Podcast on the Plaza, both you and Alan have poured into us and helped us, so we are a product of what that collective synergy can produce. So if you hate Synergize... You don't want their collective input. If you, I mean, if you don't like, if you hate podcasts on the plaza, you don't want their collective input. If you love it, we these are two people really that can gotten started yet. I don't. I mean, we're, no. we're talking today about how to really get started and, and turn this into a big brand. So, stay tuned. All right, okay. episode twenty-two.